How about if I just start at the beginning? <laughs> you can you can be honest. Because <laughs> you know what? They have the sweat equity that went into that memory that they're making with their friends and family. And that's what's important with us, and that's what the I Am Real World's about. Well, that's a great question. You know, one of the best things about a spring food plot is you get a second chance if it fails. Chasing Giants with Don Higgins. Brought to you by buyafarm.com, your source for farm, recreational properties, rural homes, and more. By tapping into Don's years of experience, dedication, and commitment, Chasing Giants focuses on the techniques, strategies, and dedication needed to harvest one of God's most amazing creations, world-class whitetails. Now, here is Don and co-host Terry Peer. Welcome everyone to Chasing Giants, brought to you by Biofarm.com. I'm Terry Peer. This is episode 55. It's only been a couple days since we were last on the air. How you doing tonight, Don? Good. How you doing, Terry? I'm good. So uh, this has been a uh, a long a long uh, episode in the works, if you will. Yeah, you've been uh, testing these cameras for a while, and I know there's a lot of people. Uh, looking forward to hearing your report so uh um, we're not going to have a biofarm segment uh, on this episode we're not going to have questions at the end this is all going to be about the test that you did terry and uh um i guess the first question i'd have is you know how did you go about picking the cameras for this test well um you know i was laid up with knee surgery this year and part of my fear for hunting is that I wasn't going to be able to be in a vehicle going back and forth to Illinois a lot. And I needed to find some cameras, and I don't have a crazy unlimited budget, even though I had some money set aside for it. And it started with one of those questions like you had a couple years ago, which is, what's the warmest camouflage? Or uh, what self, you've come on social media, and no matter who you ask, they have a different opinion. So there was a, a group of cameras, and it started off just a handful that everybody's saying, try this, try that, but nobody had any facts. So I, I kind of identified a few cameras that were getting a lot of hype that I had no prior experience with. So, for example, uh, people's asked me, why didn't you choose the Cuddy Link system? Well, I have a very close friend of mine who had used that and had really bad luck with it. So, why would I invest money into something that I've already had a data point on? Um, so, I picked a handful of cameras that um, different people that maybe real world sponsors that they were uh, recommending them or that we had friends that, um, that, that used them. And it just got a handful and all of the cameras that I chose had some hype in it, but I wanted to pick cameras at around that $300 price point and below. So I have a Reconic cell camera for everybody who doesn't know that, but um, I wanted this to be kind of more of a working man's type cell camera because everybody's flooding to this commodity level camera. And I really wanted to test the kind of the medium and cheaper price point cameras that had a lot of hype that um, I didn't have any uh, familiarity with or a friend of mine hadn't tried it, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Well, we're probably, you know how it goes, no matter how you do it, uh, somebody's going to complain and say, well, you didn't do the test right, it wasn't a fair test, whatever, and 
you know, you, you bought every one of these cameras out Correct. of your own pocket. Yep. So, uh, the other thing is, you know, we're not saying this is the perfect test. Nope. This is one man's experience with one camera from each of these different brands. Right. And, uh, that, that's all it is. And maybe I've, you had the same brand of camera and it did great, but this is one man's test fair as he could possibly do it. Uh, he did it to the best of his ability. And, that's and, what it's, we're gonna hear. and it's skewed towards my needs as a, as, as a trail camera consumer, somebody else might have completely uh, different expectations and needs. That's, that's got a different objective. So, um, you know, I'm not going to say one's necessarily better than the other because somebody else have might have different needs where one might excel better than another. So this comes from a perspective of what I need out of a camera and to give unbiased feedback back to people because you just don't know what to believe anymore. People people can be bought and sold anymore. So That's for sure. And just, uh, you know, we just tell it like it is, but, uh, you know, just in the, in all fairness, did you have any relationship with anyone connected to any of these cameras? So I have a relationship in some indirect way with every one of these cameras. And unfortunately, uh, I'm sorry, wise I, I didn't know him to begin with, but through some dialogue and uh, connections through fast pitch softball, uh, I've gotten to know the, the ownership family of wise I, and I, I've never met him in person, but, but I do consider them good people and friends. Uh, I talk to him frequently. Um, so full disclosure out of the six cameras we have, I consider a connection with all of them outside of Browning. So I, I'm going to I'm going to hurt some feelings tonight. There's no doubt about it that you know you and I have connections and friends with people that represent these brands that are trying to do their job. But I'm just here to talk about facts. Well, that's all you can do. Uh, you know, besides the test, did you use these cameras? You know, in the in the woods this year as part of your you know your hunting arsenal. Yeah, um, most of them were deployed in, in Illinois all year. When I first got all of them in, if you remember, I was laid up with my knee and, and was able to travel a little bit around the beginning of September. I set all of the cameras up on an alfalfa field here in Kentucky, uh, very close to my house where I could limp around on the side-by-side and check them just to make sure they worked. The last thing I wanted to do was run these things to Illinois and leave them and then not have the the app figured out, or I wanted to make sure they were sending pictures. So there was an initial trial where I had them wire tied to a metal T-post about 25 yards apart in a straight line facing, we would have been facing south, uh, just temporary to see if pictures were coming through to the app. That was the first one. And then I deployed these in different scenarios on three different properties in Illinois in different environments. So I used them to hunt, basically. I wasn't, at this point in time, I was just using them to use them. So, um, you know, some of them would be on field edges, some of them would be in woods, and then about halfway through the season, as I learned a little bit more about the properties, I narrowed them in and moved cameras from early season to rut locations. So each of the cameras had a chance to either work on a field edge or in the woods through hunting season this year. Well, that's interesting. So you gave those cameras really kind of a break-in period before you did the final test. 
Yeah, the, um, everything that you see online right now is pull it out of the box and let it use, you know, use it and say, how does it work? These cameras were in the field from September all the way through hunting season until late January before I brought everything back to Kentucky and then did the test that I did last weekend, which was more of a grid test one by one that we'll probably talk about before this is over. Well, that's very interesting to me because last summer I bought 12 cameras of a particular brand and I'm not going to hijack uh, this topic uh, and, and go into those cameras because uh, they were not cell cams. But before the summer was over for them, I had to send back for warranty work. Right. So if, if I would have had any of those four in the test, you know, I would have said that's a junk camera. Um just depending on which one of the individual cameras I picked out. And it's a so key I think it's point. Very interesting that you gave those cameras a break-in period and then did the test months later. Yeah, so the, the other key point that people have to know is that when they're in the commodity market of cameras, so these cheaper price point cameras that are represented as some of the cameras in this test, not even the middle, I still believe, I don't know necessarily that I have quantitative data for this. I still think that the cheaper the camera is, the lower the quality standards are in the overall unit. So from camera to camera, say you went and bought three or six or ten of them, you're going to have variable results and longevity based on how cheap the components are and how they're assembled. The cheaper the camera, you're probably not going to get in a lot perfect cameras all the way through 10 at least and it's not to say a $600 Reconyx cell camera is going to be everything perfect but I think the cheaper the camera the more likelihood likely you are to get variable uh, quality standards inside of your batch if that makes sense that makes sense for sure. So one guy says, oh well I had horrible results or one guy says it's the best thing since sliced bread I still believe that the cheaper the camera is, the more variation you're going to have from camera to camera. Hmm. So, so, so what exactly uh, were the items or the parameters you were testing? Was it like battery life, trigger speed, um, missed photos? Well, uh, I mean, let's let's start at the original. When I had them here in Kentucky on the Alfalfa field, I was just trying to learn the app. Um, we're going to talk when we dive into each particular camera how user-friendly everything was. But it's hard enough managing one app. When you have six different apps on your phone, making sure the data plan's working, everything's jiving. So it was more just a, is everything working with what I call phase one of the test. When I took mm-hmm. them to Illinois... I really didn't have an opportunity to do apples to apples comparison because I was setting them up for me to hunt. So some of them would be on a field edge until the beans were picked and then they'd move to a scrape. Some of them would be on an inside corner. Some of them would be on standing beans in late season. I did move them around just as I would any other, you know, we've talked about the trail camera shift from early season to pre-rut. Um, in that stand, in that in that environment, I was looking at just the, the quality of the picture. Am I, you know, I had no way to quantify battery life at that point because um, some cameras took more nighttime pictures than others. Some cameras took more pictures than others. So there really wasn't a way for me to say, um, you know, one battery had better battery life than the other because it wasn't the same amount of pictures in the same environment. Um, I was mm-hmm. looking for the quality of the photo. 
Um, you and I both know that chasing the type of whitetail that we are after, you might only get one shot at a photo, and sometimes they even skirt that camera. So he might be off to the side. You might even get a picture because it triggered for something else. Like you've talked about Trump a couple times, right? One of the one of the pictures you got of him, he was kind of off to the side. So, mm -hmm. so the picture quality was really important to me and basically functionality and through the, through the hunting season, some of them quit working, um, which was really frustrating. Um, and you, you have to deal with it, adapt about it, find out why. And then as I brought it back to Kentucky, there was two key things. And I mentioned this on the podcast, uh, Sunday night, there was two key things that happened during this hunting season that really made me question the if I was getting the pictures that was really deer walking in front of the camera. One of them was during one of those magical mornings, like the morning you shot Mel, where it seemed like every buck within an hour or an, a mile was running underneath your stand. I was on that downwind side of the bedding area at the home farm with the perfect wind and deer, deer just going everywhere. And there was a deer that skirted the corner on me, but he was right in front of a cell camera. And I'm like, oh, no big deal. I'll have a picture of him. So after it kind of um, settled down, I looked. I didn't have a picture of him. I'm like, I know that deer was right in front of the camera. I mean, I couldn't have drew it up any better. And matter of fact, that I not only not get that buck's picture, but I didn't get like but three pictures that morning. So I'm like, something's up. I'm sitting here in the woods watching all this action and rut activity, chasing around, and didn't get many pictures. The second thing was is I was pretty bummed out um, searching for a shooter buck. I had a standard that I wanted to go after a 160 or bigger buck this year with a bow in Illinois and just couldn't find one. When I went to pull the cell cameras and the standard cameras off the lease that you and I share I relied too much on the cell cameras and never went and checked the cards of the regular cameras Don I had three bucks that would have been over 160 or right at 160 that I didn't get a picture of them with a cell camera and West Delks had a covert cell camera didn't get one on there now it's not to say that I would have shot him, right? But I would have planned. I would have planned late season different. I would have done different. I would have. I would have handled it different and tried to get on those deer. So mm -hmm. when when I brought him back to Kentucky, my goal was to set up a test that basically gave a camera the opportunity to take pictures of deer in, in a confined period of time, similar to what I saw those deer running around in that rut um, scenario I just told you. So if you imagine now, like this is where it gets into, I'm no cell phone or cell camera expert. Okay. You hear all this stuff about cell cameras interfering with each other, the cell signal and everything. I wanted to take every variable out. So what we did is imagine, imagine me putting a fence post at the goal line of a football field. Okay, right in the center facing the other goalpost. So I'm in the center of a football field looking down at the other end zone and only running one camera at a time. And I put this little scoreboard they use at our church for volleyball that had flips for score. And I would say camera one, test one. And my neighbor and I would walk perpendicular to that camera on the five-yard line. So we would walk left to right. The kicker was... I wanted it to be consistent between me and my neighbor that we were walking the same speed and always kept the same distance. 
So what we did is we held a 25-foot extension cord beside us. So as I walked from left to right, he was always 25 feet right behind me, the same speed I was walking, right? So we would walk left to right, and we would wait 10 seconds. So we'd walk all the way across the frame. We'd go over to the other side. We'd wait full 10 seconds, and we'd turn around. We'd walk back the other way. We'd wait another 10 seconds. We would walk back across it, wait 10 seconds, and we'd walk back across. So that first grid of test one at five yards gave the camera an opportunity in a two-minute period of time, two, four, six, eight, to take a, a, a chance at eight deer simulated by us walking back and forth. Then test two was we went to 10 yards. Test three was we went to uh, 15, 20, and 25. So not only were we seeing uh, shutter speed, you know, or reaction time of going across it, but what was the next picture that happened? Because my, I kept getting concerned, is it taking a picture and trying to communicate with the tower and not taking the next picture of what's going on in front of you? So I wanted to see when is it taking a picture and is it getting that second deer, in this case my neighbor, 25 feet from me holding the other end of an extension cord walking back and forth. So that was the test, the, the phase three of the test that just happened last week. Did I explain well, that to where? To did it, did yeah. I, yeah, so it, you was at 5, 10, 15, 20, and 25 yards. So there's five different distances. Yep. And you had four opportunities at each distance. So With two deer each, inside of each opportunity. So if we look at it, so, you know, there's two deer that walk past it. We go down, back, down, back, right? Uh -huh. So if, yep. we, if we look at it, think of it like baseball, okay? So in mm -hmm. a daytime environment, we did that at 5, 10, 15, and 20, and 25. I had 40 deer in front of that camera in daylight, okay? Yep. Now, at nighttime, we did the same thing, Don, I, and, and literally – I could have I could have taken a shortcut and put these cameras right beside each other, but then one of these social media know-it-alls would come in and say, oh, well, cell camera interference and all this, you're not doing a fair test. Fine, we eliminated it. We walked 6.2 miles on that grid that Saturday. I mean, I, I got to take my neighbor out for dinner because he walked his tail off trying to help me do this. Well, uh I mean, it sounds to me like the test could not been have been more fair. Yeah, so we power up one camera, we do the grid. So people are going to say, oh, well, you walked back and forth and confined it too much. Exactly, that's what I want to do because in that rut situation next to that bedding area, there's deer going all over the place, right? Or think about it this way. In, uh, in early season where you have a bachelor group come through, it might take a picture of that two-year-old, but guess what? There might be four or five bucks in that bachelor group. He might be the sixth buck or the fourth buck. Am I getting a picture of the deer that I need to get a picture of, right? Right. So I want to see what that reactionary time was. So as at my displeasure with the whole scenario is out of the six cameras, it basically had, in, in the test in daytime and nighttime, you had a total chance because I was so frustrated, Don, because I'm sitting here watching my phone, seeing what pictures come through. When I got through with the daytime, I was so disgusted because I kept thinking, how many pictures of bucks did I miss 
by relying on cellular technology instead of putting my trail camera in the right place and going and checking the card that I actually shortened the nighttime test because I was sick of walking. I was mad. I'll be honest with you. I was, I was more than mad, but just flat out disgusted at people who saw my social media posts that day. I was, I was upset because of how much I relied on the technology that just didn't, wasn't dependable enough for what my expectations were. The best camera in the scenario, and I, I don't even want to spend time talking about it, but the best camera in the scenario got 50% of the pictures that it could have taken in that test. So it seems to me like uh, you're saying that from your your test that cell cameras are not near as reliable as non-cell cameras. 100%. And, and I think that there's some things that people that are a whole lot smarter than me can maybe explain better. But I think it boils down to no matter how good the camera manufacturer is, they're still dependent on that cell provider and that cell tower. And that's a moving target. So why do you think these cameras have all these firmware updates to go to them? Well, the cheese keeps getting moved by these cellular towers. Then they have to make a new firmware update. So in some cases, I don't blame the, the camera company. They're, they're trying to keep up with a moving dynamic industry, meaning cell phone towers. But think about it, Don. How, much, how, much, how many times is your cell phone just act goofy? And we're, yeah. we're relying on that variable to do it. So I think you have to separate cell cameras in a dynamic, which is a situation where you have a deer in front of you for a longer period of time. That might be in Kentucky over a feed or a mineral site. In Illinois, how we use them over rope scrapes for inventory. If you can get that deer in front of you, I think that's one scenario where cell cameras might work more reliable. I don't well, have let me oh, go ahead. Let me throw you a curveball because you're good at doing that to me right. <laughs> on the podcast. Um, when you were done with your test, did you remove the cards from the camera and see how many pictures they had taken that were not sent to your phone? The one Saturday? No. And here's why. If I have to rely on an SD card, why in the world am I paying a monthly fee to manage these stupid things? Mm -hmm. Good point. So, And I guess my point was if maybe the camera did its job, but it was the cell technology or the cell tower, the cell we, provider, or whatever. We didn't plan this, ball. but you just teed up a perfect point that I didn't, I didn't even really plan on talking about. If, if I was a consumer out there and I was going to invest in a cell camera, the first thing I would do is call that cellular company. And I can't answer this. I don't know the answer in this allotment of six. But I would ask them a question and say, how does your firmware work? Does your firmware say a deer walks in front, it takes a picture, and it sends to the tower? While it's sending to the tower, will it take the next picture and store it to the card, or is the camera completely disabled until it confirms that signal and transfers that data to it? Because think about it. There's this race for photo size. Some of these cameras advertise if you have 14, 18 gigabyte or you run videos, 
the bigger that file size is that you're transmitting, the longer it's going to take. And let's face it, we don't have five bars at places we use cell cameras at sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. So the first thing I would do if I'm going and looking into a cell camera, call their customer service and say, how does your, how does this camera work? If it's transmitting the photo, is the camera MIA? Is it dead? Or is it still taking that picture to the SD card? For me, if I'm relying on that SD card, I'm putting a regular camera in there. I'm not paying that monthly fee for that. Right. It just seems to me that, uh, you know, maybe the uh, your test, is the results of your test are more a uh, reflection on, on the cell provider than they really are the camera. I think it's a, I think it's a valid point. I do think there's some issues and and uh, kind of things with each camera that might set them apart as far as quality. Um, you know, it's it's when people really step back and think about it, you, you have higher end cameras that take a really clear picture that only are transmitting or saving a six megapixel picture onto your onto your SD card, and then you have cheap cameras that advertise eighteen megapixel pictures onto your SD card and they're not as clear. Do you have an idea of why that is? Um, not exactly. It's the it's the grade or the quality of the photosensor. So the, the, the lens or the photosensor out front, like a Reconyx or a WiseEye, I think they're the only ones that use a 5 megapixel. So they're actually transmitting a smaller file, 6 megapixel, but it's much clearer. The way that the cheaper cameras are doing it, they're using a much lower quality uh, photo lens. And I'm going to get the wording right, and people are going to yell at me, and that's fine. But that photo sensor is much lower quality, and what they do is they stack the pixels on top of each other. Well, stacking pixels on top of each other makes the file size bigger, but it doesn't make the picture clearer. So there's this race to the bigger photo size, but it's to make up for the poor quality components that they're putting in it. So the other thing I found through this test is bigger photo size doesn't always mean clearer picture. Um, so keep that in mind. And that, that, that really applies for standard cameras also, not just cellular cameras. But I think that the bigger the file size is, that's more transmission time that you have, that you have an opportunity to miss a second picture, if that makes sense. So while that camera is transmitting a picture to your phone, it's during that time it is not active getting more pictures. Could be. Depends on how they write the software to the camera. So some of these cameras, and I'm not going to go out on a limb and, and guess, but some of these cameras would go ahead and take the second picture and it would save it to the SD card and you just wouldn't get it. Because it's, it's, it's transmitting the one to the tower, which transmits to you. Um, once the tower says received, I'm all good, it should go back in and start taking another picture. But to transmit that data. So uh, I would make this a poor analogy of let's say I'm texting you a picture from the tree stand and I'm in a bad area. And I hit send and that little blue bar goes across my screen. Mm-hmm. Whereas if, or I'm inside your shed, I don't, in, inside your shed where I spend time, where I stay when I come up to, to see you, it'll, it'll take 45 seconds for that blue line to go across as it's loading and communicating that. And then, you know, your text message says delivered. 
if I'm standing outside or in a good cell phone area, it's instant, right? right? So based on the cellular service, it might take four minutes for it to go through. It might take two seconds. The question I'm telling people to do is find out before you buy these cameras, how is that camera uh, PLC and software written? What is it doing? So my, my, I guess, and this is where it's personal preference. For me, if I'm going to pay the $15 a month or whatever these things are, I, I shouldn't have to go in and, and run the SD card to find out what's on there. If I have to do that and rely on that, why spend the extra money on the camera and the data plan? That's, that's, that's just, this is where it's my, my opinion. Somebody else might have a cell camera that's, um, you know, out behind their house that they use and it's not a big deal and they don't add pressure to their property to run out and pull the camera every once or the card every once in a while. Well, you know, I get, uh, you know what you're saying, Terry, but, uh, in all fairness, it seems to me like the limiting factor on these cameras might be the cell service and not the camera itself. You're absolutely right. And, uh, it's a big part of it. It's a variable that we have no control over. Right. Mm -hmm. And at different times, at different times, the cell signals different on your phone. Think about it. Sometimes you're just like, why don't I have signal? Um, so we're relying on something we have no control over the, the cell camera manufacturers. I, 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 I throw them a little bit of a bone in this, um, but I'm telling you that I'm standing in my backyard with full bars at this test where I was walking back and forth, and, mm-hmm. and the best camera got 50% of them. Something, well, it could something be wrong. that, uh, you know, it could be you and your neighbor were walking across there, and the camera captured you every time but it was sending the picture as your neighbor came across you got it and he could be on that card it's just that if that was a deer in the woods you would have to go retrieve that card to know it exactly so for me using a cell cellular technology for out of state or for back in close to bedding areas where i want to take it and just leave it and never touch it until i get back in and shed hunt that scenario doesn't work. If you have it on a feeder where you're going in or a mineral site where you're going in every couple of weeks to replenish it where you could change that card out and it's just a convenience thing that's – and, I mean, it's fun sitting there at night watching the deer at your camera. That's a completely different ball game. So I think it's it's people have to set their expectations about how they want to use them. But um, if, if you want to never touch these things and put them on a trail – I don't have any confidence in relying on cellular technology. I think that it's a tool that can benefit you, but I made the mistake on the lease to rely on it and uh, pretty disappointed with myself because I had an opportunity to chase a really good one and didn't even know he was there. Well, this is interesting. I mean, I'm even learning stuff as I'm talking to you here. Um, I'm guessing most of the listeners probably will too before this is over. Um, you know, I, I know that non-cell cameras, you can get on the, on the internet and ask which is the best. And, you know, there's going to be somebody stand up for every brand out there. Mm-hmm. And I know for certain that yeah, at least 75% of them I consider garbage. Right. And, uh, garbage. 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 <laughs> Just because I, I know for certain they missed so many pictures. Right. So, 
it seems to me like the cell cams are even taking it to the next level in regards to missing photos. I just don't think there's many people that, um, you know, if you wanted to do your due diligence with every trail camera you have, take it out to your backyard and, and do the some type of test like what I did with the grid. And what you're going to find is some, some cameras will pick up a photo up really good at five yards, but not good at 20. Other cameras will pick up a, a picture at 15, but not five. You know, it's too close. Um, if somebody wanted to do their due diligence with their t- camera technology, you would learn that camera in your backyard. And this is for cellular or non-cellular. And then they would set up their trail camera position, almost like we pick a tree for a tree stand and say, okay, I know the sweet spot of this camera and the nighttime flash or infrared or black light, whatever the technology is in that camera, that sweet spot is 15 to 18 yards. So that's where I'm putting, mm-hmm. I'm looking for a spot for that sweet spot of that particular camera. And I can tell you the, the six that I'm testing, that sweet spot's different with all of them. But I just don't think a lot of trail cam users go to that effort to learn their camera that depth. They take it out and put it on there, and then they have no idea what they are or are not getting. Right, and, you know, they get one picture at daylight that looks halfway clear, and they think, man, this is great, and they have no idea what they're missing. The other there's, – there's one other thing that I, that I experienced in this is that uh, something to, to consider in your purchase decision is – can firmware be updated remote? So if you're a guy like us that talk about, you know, eliminate human intrusion, the last thing we want to do is go in and check that camera. That's part of the justification for the monthly bill that these things cost. As cellular stuff changes, these cameras have to update their software. Well, if you have a problem and call their customer service, they say update your firmware. Well, in my case, I had this situation with the spy point, update your software, the camera's not working. I had to drive all the way to Illinois, pick up the camera, hot, take it back to the truck, hot spot into uh, um, my laptop. Uh, some of them you can take an SD card and upload it from an SD card. Some of them you have to plug in. But there's some of these cameras that will actually uh, push the software update through the same cell signal from remote control. And I think that's really a really key point that if you're, if you're taking cellular technology to the point where you don't want to go in, you know, you're running an external battery source, so you never have to replace batteries. You're, you know, you got it in a spot that you, you don't have to go check that SD card. You want that firmware to be able to be remote loaded into that camera. Um, you know, because the cellular stuff is going to continue to change and these camera companies keep... Look how many times your iPhone asks for an update on your iPhone. It's it's no different. Right. You know, there's always software updates that they're going to be doing. Um, yep. The only other thing that I thought about that is, um, that is important for me is uh, I had the Browning camera in, a, in an area that would be very close to where your... Uh, camera is at the bridge below the shed, so it's okay. kind of it's kind of pointing at some trees where the deer you know are walking. Great pinch point, great crossing. I had the Browning at that, but what happened was is it was facing a little bit too much angle where I was getting a sunset, and it was fine until the leaves dropped. As soon as the leaves dropped, I got that glare through the trees, and I started mm-hmm. getting a ton of false triggers. 
some of these cameras you can go in and change the sensitivity from your app while others you can't so for me it's really important running them out of state running them in an area that i don't want to go in and put any intrusion onto a, a location i want to also be able to change the settings on that camera from remote control so i don't have to go in or drive four hours away so i think that's another thing that that people that are wanting that expectation out of it need to need to evaluate in their purchase interesting you know well, that, you really need to discuss the different brands sure we can dive into them which one you want to talk about first oh well you you mentioned browning is one that you have no connection with the company whatsoever okay. uh, what can you tell us about the browning cell cam um i i I'm going to talk about the overall construction. So I'm holding these things in my hand right now. And actually for the people coming to your master class, I'm going to bring these up with me and set them on a table so everybody can kind of see them and hold them and compare them. Most of the time we don't have a chance to do that. Um, from a construction standpoint, since I'm a manufacturing guy, I look at it. Um, the case is is just ginormous. Um, I'm used to these little bitty strike force cameras with um, the C, the six AA batteries. Um, the the I'm using the Defender Wireless. Um, so that's another thing we should have pointed out. These are the current models that I bought last year. So some of these cameras have a new model that's just come out that they would have released at ATA. Remember, I've been running this test since September. So. This was the model that was out then. The case is ginormous on it. Um, it's got a good metal bracket on the back. Um, it's compatible with your... All of these cameras are compatible with your cable lock, so that's not an issue. Um, so I like the heavy case. Uh, one of the things I learned is that you want the antenna on these cameras to be either really, really stout, meaning heavy-duty, or they need to be breakaway, meaning it has a hinge on it, because as squirrels and raccoons and everything run up and down the tree, they'll act, and birds they actually try to stand on that antenna, and they can break them off. So um, uh, Browning has a, a one-piece, really rigid one antenna that comes off of it. Um, I think it's it, from a manufacturing standpoint, it's um, it's um, pretty well designed. Um, the, the, the next thing I noticed is that, um, at first I thought this thing had 12 AA batteries. This honking thing takes 16 AA batteries. That's why the case wow. is so big. Um, so you, you start looking at cost of ownership and, and, um, you know, it's pretty high because you're leaving these things alone. Um, again, if I was running these things, not in a test, I would invest in an external battery source. So this does have the plug-in where you can run solar or a 12-volt adapter to it. Um, I, was, I was a little bit disappointed in the picture quality, but one of the things that I look for in a cell camera is the ability to have a high-def download. So even though the, camera, the picture that comes to your phone is a little grainy, the... Uh, um, I would score it as if I'm going to do a, a rating of three to five or zero to five, I would give the Browning a, a three. Um, but I like the fact that it's transmitting a small file for speed and not using up a bunch of data, but I have the ability to do a large file and, and it's okay. I wouldn't make it great. Um, I kind of put Reconyx as the kind of more of the gold standard when it comes to clear, good photos. 
because uh, I have one. I know what it's capable of. Um, so it's it's about middle of the road. I thought it would be a little bit better than what it is. Um, the software on the camera itself is very similar to what you guys would normally see on a Browning standard non-cell camera. Um, pretty easy to navigate, do settings. Um, uh, I have no issue with that. Um, very, very easy to navigate as far as setting up the camera. The app is okay. Um, there's a lot of people that will say, well, something's new coming out. I, I can't test something new that's coming out. I can only tell you what I know. Uh, the app is a little cumbersome. Um, and again, I don't like the fact that you can't change sensitivity settings from remote. You can change it from photo to video remote, but um, so I would rank the app as okay. It's a little bit above average as far as capability, but it does have some limitations on it. Uh, this camera was $300 retail when I bought it. And um, I initially purchased the $12 a month service plan for Verizon. Um, so that got, uh, I think it was like 2,000, 2,400 pictures a month. And they actually monitor your high-def downloads, and you only got 10 of those a month. So you couldn't just go in arbitrarily and say, every camera I want to look at high-def. You had to really watch which ones you did, or else they'd charge for it. Um, what happened with me is, is I had it in that situation where I started getting those false triggers. I was getting 2,000 pictures a day, and I burned through the data. So I had to make wow. a decision. Do I drive to Illinois and change the settings on the camera or do I pay for the upgraded payment? And it got to where I was paying like $28 a month to handle the number of pictures, then having to sort through all the false triggers to see the deer pictures that I was there. So wow. in my application, um, not being able to change that sensitivity thing, it cost me money and it was very frustrating. Um, let's see. Warranty on the camera is one year. Um, so I guess my overall review on this, it takes, it takes decent pictures. Um, I, there is some limitations, not being able to change that sensitivity thing is a big deal for me. Um, I'm not going to spend any more time on it, but here's the thing at a $300 price point. If I'm spending $300, I'm buying one of the other two cameras at that price point. This gives me the ability of cameras much cheaper. So I don't, if, if, if somebody says, Terry, I got $300 to spend on a camera, this is decent, but I think there's better buys for that price point that's a better camera and takes better pictures, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's fair enough. Did okay. you have to deal with customer service at all? I did, and um, it's not Browning. It's outsourced through a different company um, because when my data ran out, I had to cancel a plan and um, use a new plan. So it was a little bit of the, I call customer service for Browning. Oh, that's not us. you got to call this number, and nobody could transfer me because it was a different company. Eventually, I got to the right people. And got it taken care of. Um, so I would give it like a three out of five on customer service. A little cumbersome, but it, if you're persistent enough, you can get to the right people. Well, fair enough. Um, sounds to me like it was kind of a middle-of-the-road camera. Middle-of-the-road camera, probably that. a little overpriced. Okay. All right. How about uh, the Wise Eye? 
All right, the wise eye I didn't have any knowledge of prior to doing it, and um, our friend over at Taz Timbers, who's a real world customer, said, "Hey, this is brand new technology. You got to test them out." And I remembered seeing this company's booth at ATA because they had a species recognition deer feeder that I was really interested in. So these feeders would uh, stay open with a door and it had a camera built in. And when a turkey or a hog walked up, it shut the door in their face. Where if it's if it saw a deer, it would leave it open. And that kind of interested me a little bit, but I didn't really stop. Didn't even see that they had a cell camera. So I bought one. Um, and then um, uh, indirectly through talking with our friend Tony, uh, got introduced to the owners, and they're really nice Christian people. Think of the world of them. Um, but uh, didn't really have any knowledge of it. But when I saw this camera, I immediately recognized the case from a, a bad experience I had with Sniper back in the day. It's the exact same case. So uh, my I called customer service actually before I, sh- I said I, I called them before I ordered and said, is this the same guts as a sniper? And we talked about it, what was different, um, learned about how the cellular technology works a little bit different on this camera. It bounces off of different providers um, and heard that it had a five megapixel photo sensor in it. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to give this thing a shot. So... I'm not real. I wasn't real concerned about the construction of the case because I still have some sniper cameras that I put on feeders that are probably six years old, and no water intrusion, anything like that. So um, the case itself, I've never had any problem with. It's a side latch. The latch is the full height of the um, of the case. Nice embedded gasket around it. Um, this camera takes twelve AA batteries. Um, so overall construction, um, I didn't have any big concerns with it because I'd already used this case in a different platform. I was interested about the, the picture quality. Um, so when I first started seeing the pictures and the video quality, um, I'll be honest with you, it's the closest thing to Reconyx quality I've ever seen as far as, uh, daylight pictures and video. Um, if I had to score... The camera, it would probably be like maybe four out of five, I guess, the more I think about it. And there's only one reason behind that, and it's that if you have it on picture mode at nighttime, there's just a little bit of a blur. And really what that is is they're a brand-new company, and they haven't quite figured out all the settings yet. So the aperture setting and the, the speed in which it's taking the picture, sometimes it's focusing like if you have a tree limb coming in on a scrape, the tree limb will be perfectly clear, but the deer will be blurry. So I know that the quality is there in the photo lens and everything. Um, it's just I can't rate it, you know, perfect because there is still a little bit of nighttime blur on the picture mode. If you have it on video mode, it's it's amazing actually. Um one of these cameras, um, I bought a couple after buying the original one. There's one of these I have hanging on your farm right now on a, a test plot of soybeans that I've sent you some video pictures from. It's there. It's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it, uh, it's really clear. So the only knock I have is is right now, and to me it's about a timing thing. If they slow the speed down, what's going to, or I'm not sure which way it works, but basically if they change a setting to get rid of the nighttime blur, 
it will not take pictures out as far away from the camera. So it's a balance of them not going too far to one extreme or the other where they get really blurry or they uh, don't take pictures that are very far out, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, customer service, five out of five. Uh, as you would expect with a family business that's that's trying to make it in this, all the focus is on taking care of customers. Um, uh, I not only that's my feedback, but the other people I know who've used them that maybe had a question or concern, my cousin, Josh Kider, who's probably listening in right now. Um, he had a, he had a problem, called him, you know, question was, uh, answered immediately, um, moved on. Um, so easy to access that you would expect with a small business versus getting to a subcontracted third party company that manages it. So very high mm-hmm. score on customer service. I, I fully believe that if you had a problem with this camera and they couldn't figure it out, you would probably have one shipped to you and say, send us back the other one, no questions asked. So good people that stand behind the product. Um, software on the camera, very easy to navigate. Um, actually, I think the software, I might be wrong on this, and um, but I think the software in the camera between this and the Tacticam is actually the same software on the camera itself. Makes you almost think that the case is built in the same place. I don't know that for sure, but maybe. Um, but no issues with there. It's really easy to set up uh, through the Hunt Control app. And even though this thing takes really good pictures, Hunt Control is a proprietary software that the same family wrote um, and designed that does that species recognition that's on the feeder. So... Um, So basically, you can use it to transmit your cell phone cameras too. So uh, to put in perspective what it does for me, being able to run cameras on feeders and mineral here in Kentucky, I might get 600, 800 pictures a night, depending on what time of the year it is. I can go in and filter deer or turkey and just delete all the turkey pictures or other pictures that might be raccoons or whatever. Then I can go in and I can filter antler and only look at the buck pictures and delete all the does out. And I'm I'm generalizing, but Don, it's pretty doggone accurate. I would say it's probably on antler to non-antler, you're probably looking at about 95, 90% accuracy. So, so can you set it to only send you buck pictures? No, it uploads everything to the, to the to the website that you're using an app to to update. And it uploads all the pictures, but with two clicks of a mouse and maybe six seconds, I can take 2,000 pictures and only look at the bucks in, in literally that fast of amount of time. So you can imagine how you look at trail cameras and you just sit there and they play on your screen until you see a buck and you stop it and back up. Yep. This one, two clicks of a mouse, I filter all those other pictures out, scan them real quick in a thumbnail view just to make sure there's no buck there, delete them unless I want to go through them and only look at buck pictures. That's a big deal for me when you're looking at it. The other cool thing is is you can upload SD cards from non-cell cameras on it. So uh, let's say you have a Reconyx or a Browning or whatever. You go in and you get the GPS coordinates of where that camera is and add a new camera to hunt control. This is the software embedded in a website that you access on your computer. You take your SD card, stick it in your computer, and you upload it to the camera on the software. 
it will recognize and filter all those pictures the same way it did the camera the the photos coming in from the cell camera so that filter tool is available for any camera so um humongous is it available free on their website or? Uh, you pay 4.99 or five bucks a month for just the software so their their data plan is about fifteen dollars a month the sell side of it's like nine dollars a month. The hunt control is five bucks a month. So if you add additional cameras, they're only ten bucks a month. So you have like a one-time charge for the camera. So somebody today could go to Hunt Control's website and spend five dollars a month and use that just as a photo management tool. So the the cool thing about it is it correlates. Um, the picture and the time to a weather service. So then all of a sudden you can say, okay, here's all my buck pictures, sort them and show me the graph of uh, movement based on wind direction or barometric pressure or temperature, wind speed. So then the, the guys that are going to nerd out over data and try to plot different patterns will love this so might be something you want to look into even if you're not going to use a wise eye camera but uh they use that same camera or that software to manage the data i think the potential inside of the hunt control um kind of puts this this camera brand at a little bit of a uh kind of almost an up-and-comer they could do a lot of things in the market with a combination of that clear of picture and that mm -hmm. software um <laughs> So I pay I pay nineteen or excuse me fourteen ninety nine a month at least that's what I paid last year, um, and then each additional camera was nine ninety nine a month. So, um, but yeah, you could go and just get the four ninety nine software package. That's pretty cool. You haven't even seen it yet. Maybe sometime I'm up there, I'll show you. So yeah, uh, this this camera's been in business. This company's been a little over a year on the camera side. Um, still a lot of things that they got to work out um i i know i sound critical in this test um but they have the potential to probably take over a lot of market share on the higher end camera uh from like a spartan or reconyx grade camera because the photo quality is there um i'd really like to see them dial in those settings a little bit so the nighttime blur goes away but um you know that's just my personal preference because i want a really clear picture um but the management tool and the video quality and daytime, I mean, it, it looks like portraits with some of these photos that it takes. So hmm. that's kind of my review on Wiseye. Well, hopefully they'll listen and, uh, and take your advice and, and improve things a little bit because it seems to me that with the camera market, both sell and non-sell cameras, the race to the bottom and who can make the cheapest, not who can make the best. Yeah. And uh, I think there's a real opportunity for any company that decides to, you know, to get in the race to the top instead of the race to the bottom. Yeah, it's a delicate, it's a delicate balance. Um, you got to be in a price point for the large percentage of the market, but there's such a void at a little bit better price point, high quality camera. Um, they have the potential to do it. And when I'm saying I'm being very critical, I'm being very critical of them. Um, they're not perfect, but they're better than most cameras on the market already, and they've only been in business a year. Um, I think the potential's there. It's just to see where they take the company. Um, mm -hmm. And with a two-year warranty and great customer service, if you have a, if you have something that ain't working right, 
Um, I'm I'm confident in it. I mean, I it was so good that I bought the first one for the test, and I went back and bought a few more. So I ha- I actually am running more than one of these cameras right now. Um, so it's it's that good. Um, what I learned later, it's it's it struggled in my side by side test for whatever reason. It's not communicating with the tower. You know, the cellular signal not jiving. It's just another variable. But in a dynamic set, um, great camera. Okay. Well, the fact that you bought more tells me, uh, you know, something about the company. You must have a little bit of confidence in them. Yeah, I think think they have – I literally think they have probably the biggest upside of anything on the market. They don't just quite have a perfect solution yet. Uh, I think that's the best way to explain it. But Okay good chance of getting there well let's move on to the next one how about uh the tacticam reveal all right the tacticam reveal got all kinds of buzz um this year um because of the price point on this camera and this price point uh was around 120 dollars um from a manufacturing standpoint uh, I had one big concern on it, and I'm not sure most people would notice it, but I'm, I'm holding the camera in it right now, and as I shut it and, and lock the side latch, and then I look at the gasket, and I've talked about this on social media a couple times, you can see when you press the door together where the door seats on, say, the to visualize it, you have the one side that holds your 12 batteries and the other side that holds all the hardware for your camera with the little wire that goes between it by the hinge. Yep. Okay, as you fold those together and you latch it, the gasket on the camera side where the hardware is should press up against a little rib on the, the battery side. And as I look at mine right now, holding them in my hand, there's the whole one corner that is not having indention from where it's sealing onto the battery side. So over a period of time, you're going to get water intrusion in there, which is going to cause problems. Um, I didn't have any problems with the camera itself in the short time that I've used them. I did see a little bit of condensation at one time on the inside of the camera. I immediately took it out and got it dried off and put it back. So... um, Overall quality of construction, it makes me a little hesitant. Um, It has one breakaway camera on it, or excuse me, antenna on it. Um, But, um, you know, it's kind of like one of those things, get what you pay for. Photo quality on it got a lot of hype. Um, If you really want to be honest with it, this is the weirdest scenario camera I've ever seen. The daylight pictures struggle. The nighttime pictures are amazing for the the price point of the camera. Um, nighttime picture quality is really good, um, inside of a window. Um, it doesn't do real good real far out. So I don't know that I would put it on a food plot and expect to get pictures out in a food plot very far. Um, and daytime pictures, Don, at, at 18 yards, I was having trouble identifying what buck was in a picture in daylight. So, um, it's really weird. Daylight pictures, this camera struggles, not to my standards where I would use it. Uh, nighttime pictures, it's pretty dark and good. Um, I actually called customer service with an issue of mine. Um, got real good support. Um, so I can't knock them there. Um, 
software on the screen. Um, again, I think it's the exact same software as far as navigating is the, the um, WiseEye. Um, so easy to function, easy to set up. The app is probably one of the, the cheapest made, least functional bells and whistles app of anything in the test. Um, that's the app on your phone. Um, can't do a whole lot. No high def downloads. You can control the settings of the camera pretty well, but basically it's stripped down to bare bones. Um, you're not getting a lot for what you pay for in this. Um, so the app really needs a lot of work as it compares to the rest of the cameras in the test. Uh, warranty two years um, at a 120 price point. So there's a lot of guys out there that'll say, I can buy two of these for the price of the one of the higher price point cameras. Yeah, that's true. But if you have to replace it every year for water intrusion, are you really ahead doing that? Um, that's a question you have to make for yourself. Um for me, the photo quality in daytime isn't good enough, but for a lot of people it might be. And um, in this price point, uh, by far, it's the best camera in that lower price point. Um, not to bash the company, but I haven't had good luck with their other products, so that doesn't give me a lot of confidence in the quality here. And uh, folks, I don't, I don't, like I said, I don't mean to bash this, but I've heard a ton of people say the the decision of this company and this camera is to make their money on volume of sales, not margin per camera. What does that tell you about the decisions of the guts and the and the stuff that they're putting inside of this? They're making it as absolutely bare bones cheap as they can and cutting every corner they can. So when a company says they're going to make money off of volume and not margin per camera... Um, that, that concerns me because it's, it's hard to say how uh, much cheaper components is this. I would venture to guess that the 5 megapixel or even like the 4 megapixel photo sensor that are in the higher end cameras, that photo sensor alone probably costs more than the manufacturing cost of this entire camera. Hmm. That, would be my, wow. that would be my guess. So if your only choice is to spend a little over 100 bucks, 100 to 150 uh, best camera on that price point, but still doesn't meet the needs of what I need out of a cell camera. Well, is there even another cell cam in that price point? Yep. Yep. There's a couple. Um, they're actually, uh, next on the list. Um, well, we got, I think three more to go. Um, let's talk about the spy point a little bit. Spy point puts cameras in that price point. Um, there was such a demand on the on the cell cams when I bought mine. I ended up having to go with the Link Micro S, which has an integrated solar panel built to it. So um, it wasn't my intention to test a solar camera against battery cameras, um, but it was all I could get my hands on inside of the SpyPoint product line at the time. So um, this camera, if you can figure out a way to make the cheapest case possible, this is it. Um, <laughs> I'm serious. Um, I, I talked about it the first test that I did where I used a black wire tie and went to wire tie it to a T-post. It actually ripped the back of the case apart when I tightened down the wire tie. That's how cheap the back of this thing is made. The... Um, yeah, I haven't been impressed with this thing since the beginning. Um, uh, this, I'm, I'm probably going to make some people mad here. Um, the um, 
picture quality, overall picture quality of this camera, I would rank it as a two out of five. Um, and let me tell you, folks, I can make every camera by sharing certain pictures look really good, and I can make any camera look really bad by sharing only the bad pictures. Uh, this camera didn't give me a lot of choices to share good ones. I can tell you that. Um, I just, and not good pictures at all. Um, blurry, not clear, even the high def downloads. Um, more disappointing than that, their customer service is horrendous. Um, and that's known across the industry. Um, just flat out horrible customer service. Whether you call, you're lucky if you get um, email back, if you contact them that way. Um, one of the other things I can't stand about this camera is when you open it up, there's no like little LCD screen with software in it. Get this done. You flip the switch on and there's a blinking light. And depending on how the light blinks, you have this code inside the door that says three flashing lights with red equals this status, two flashing lights with orange. So you're sitting there having to figure out your, if your camera's working by counting a flashing light beside the power switch. Well, that just screams cheap to me. Yeah. So, um, I didn't like that about it. Um, the, the app is middle of the road. Um, I'd say it's functional, um, high def download. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that I think they've programmed the logic to add to it later. Cause you click on something and it says not available now or coming soon in the app. So, uh, the app isn't bad. Um, it's, it's, it's good. Um, I wouldn't say good, but it's 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 functional, not the best, not the worst. Uh, one of the things that they do have going for them is their cell plan is unlimited pictures. I would say they do that right, so you're not having to worry about you know being over your number of pictures and managing that um, at fifteen dollars a month. But um, you know, uh, I guess I, I do I do have a reason I would buy this camera. If if I had a neighbor that was killing my target bucks, I would buy this camera as a gift for my neighbor. Because, but he didn't want to kill anything. Well, because if he's killing my target bucks and he's relying on this camera, he's only going to get maybe 30% of the pictures that walk in front of it when it works, when it's not requiring downloads, when the customer service actually answers to fix it. So he's going to get very little intel of any of the bucks and having to go in there just a ton of times to deal with the garbage that's inside this case. Garbage. And, and pushing and pushing the deer over onto my property. So <laughs> if, if I was going to buy this camera, I shouldn't say there's not a need for this camera. If you're looking for a, a camera to sabotage your neighbor, this would be a great, <laughs> great choice for you. Well... <laughs> I think we see where this one ranks. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Shall we move on to the next one? Yeah, let's go to the next one. Yeah, stealth cam. Oh, this one's even worse. I I wouldn't buy this thing to use as a wheel chalk for my trailer so it wouldn't roll over the hill. Um, (laughs) This is the cheapest design camera that's even in it. You think the case of the spy point is bad? This is horrible. This it it does only take eight batteries. I will give it that. It's got a, a QR code on the inside that you scan with your camera, and to set it up, it just you scan it, and it takes care of everything. So pretty easy setup. No screen. More of these little flashy light doohickeys. 
with codes and uh, just frustrating to me. A really cheap side latch, cheap antenna on the side that will probably end up being broken. Um, I couldn't even get a good picture of this thing. I moved this camera trying to find a scenario that it actually took a decent picture, and I couldn't find it. I bet I put it in six places. And I was running all these cameras had lithium energizer batteries in it. Kevin Thayer said put alkaline batteries in it, and in the daytime they're decent pictures. If it's out on a field edge in the open, you can't use it in the woods. And he he actually told me that at the our last uh, when we did a podcast at your place uh, live one night the last time. Mm. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I quit spending the. $22 a month for this piece of garbage to even put it in the test because I couldn't even get a good picture out of it. So probably by the rut, I had thrown it in the back of the truck and took the data plan off of it and quit using it until the uh, the last test that we had here uh, recently this weekend and where I put the data plan on it back for one month so I could do the it – was, it was the hardest $22 I've ever spent in my life was to reactivate that for one couple hour test, but just flat out, flat out garbage. This thing is going to get shot with a muzzle loader at 442 yards at the range by Jeff Hankins, who built my custom muzzle loader. I'm going to, I'm going to blow this thing up because no person on earth even deserves to get this thing as a gift. Wow. I was just thinking it was a good candidate for an expandable broadhead. That, we could do that. Hey, you want to do that at the master class this weekend? Well, we could. If one of our if one of our attendees is listening that wants to bring their bow and a mechanical broadhead, we'll set it up and you can try to put one through this thing. It's garbage. Don't waste your money, don't waste your friends' money, don't waste your mother's money, don't waste your enemy's money. Garbage. It should be an embarrassment for anybody who even tries to sell those things in a store or represent them as something capable to take a picture. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot. You like to put me on the spot? I'm going to put you on the spot, Terry. You, you said at the beginning that uh, you've got uh, connections with a lot of these different cameras. Do we have any connections with this camera? Yes. <laughs> One of my good friends, so I'm not going to embarrass him, but yeah. Um, and we've we've actually talked about it. So. Well, you're going to have to fill me in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm hurting some feelings right now, both with the last two. But well, let's move on because we only got one more. And I'll tell you, the Exodus render. I only had one cell camera out all last season, and uh, it was an Exodus render. And, and honestly, I was pretty darn impressed with it. Yep, I, I would agree with that. Um, for those of you who have tried the Lift 2, um, the Exodus Render works off the same uh, components and platform, just with a cellular module. Um, from a design standpoint, engineering-wise, the case itself on an Exodus is better than anything on the market because it has latches on both sides. And what that means is, is, the, is the door folds down. As, as you use a camera that's hinged on the side, whether it be just the, the small access door or the whole door, when you have a latch on one side, eventually the hinge side gets weak and allows water to come in. So that plastic flexes a little bit on the opposite side of the latch. So the latch is pulling it tight every time, but the hinge will start to wear and open up. So 
with the Exodus design having latches on both sides and then the door flipping down, the, the hinges on the bottom and never a stress point. The two latches go on the side and can, can seal it all around. Um, no doubt that that's why they have the confidence that and the aluminum frame on the back and the border around it that they can put a five-year warranty on this thing because water intrusion and uh, jarring of it, like when people throw it around and drop it, is probably one of the biggest uh, harmful things to a, to, a, to a trail camera. I mean, nobody takes their DSLR camera and throws it in the back of the truck or their backpack to haul it around. So um, those two things alone are probably why Exodus has the confidence to put a unprecedented five-year warranty on these things. Um, uh, it has a one, a single antenna breakaway, um, really rigid design, uh, no issues there. Uh, customer service. Um, I've heard very few bad experiences with Exodus, uh, customer service. Um, I, I, I maybe heard one or two over the years, but nothing bad. Um, like we, like, uh, what I've experienced or what I experienced with the spy point. Um, the software in the camera, very easy to navigate. And Exodus also does such a good job with training videos, not only for their products, but other uh, products out on the market. But the camera, the LCD screen, navigating around, setting it up the camera is, is extremely easy, extremely easy to set the camera up, get the cell phone tech, um, working. The, the app to run the cellular service is a third-party company called Scout Tech who does, I forget what other brand name they do, but they, they do other trail camera manufacturers through Scout Tech. Um, I had no issues with it. When you first open it up, it's kind of odd to find like all of the settings, but there's a lot of functionality there once you learn where it's at. Um, you know, you can navigate it pretty quickly. High def download is amazing. Uh, some of the pictures that I got were, were flat out awesome, just like I saw on the, the wise eye. Um, but, um, the cool thing about this camera is, um, if you're running multiple cameras, you basically pay for data data. So each camera has a very small fee per, it's called a line fee for the camera. And then you pay for data that can be spread across multiple cameras. So let's say you have a, a spot on the inside corner by the smoky blind that gets a lot of traffic. But then you have another camera out where you shot um, the Joey Buck, where you're not getting a ton of pictures there, right? You probably get 20 times the pictures at the smoky blind that you would where you shot Joey, right? Right, at least. Why would you pay... $15 a month for data packages at both cameras. So what it does is it pulls up to 10 cameras together and you buy the data that you use for all of the cameras and you only have a small line fee for cameras. So for outfitters or hunting clubs or a bunch of buddies that go in that want to share their pictures, um, I think that that feature alone really is a benefit to uh, their management plan through Scout Tech. Um, I, th I like the idea of not, um, you know, kind of wasting data, if you will, um, on, some of the, on some of the cameras that are in lower traffic areas that you want to run. Uh, Five-year warranty, just that's, that's crazy. When you look at cost of ownership, you're basically guaranteed you have a new quality camera every year um it's kind of like the it's kind of like your um your buddy uh, chris yates at the chevy dealer in missouri 
you're you're getting a brand new truck every year. If you have a problem with this camera for five years, you're getting a brand new camera back, or they fix it, right? So a little yep. bit more up front with a three hundred to three thirty five uh, price tag, but you look at cost of ownership for that five year period, it's about sixty seven dollars a year that you're guaranteed at the most it's going to cost you. Um, I like that about this camera. Um, overall review, um, this is probably the safest investment for anybody looking to get a camera. That five-year warranty, the construction of it, and it takes phenomenal pictures. Um, I don't think you can go wrong with this. I put this one probably in the worst place that I could have put one because I had I don't want to say I had bias, but I had experience with the camera and the lift too. So I put it in probably the toughest challenge to start the year off and did phenomenal. Um, and, uh, I will own more of these cameras. Um, um, I think they're great, not only in the cellular, but the non-cellular camera, uh, platform. Um, I don't think you can go wrong with that warranty. That's hard to beat when you're back to that for five years. Right. And you mentioned that you had heard, you know, a couple of reports on the internet or whatever about poor customer service. I'll just throw out there that, uh, you know, I've had absolutely nothing but fantastic service from Exodus. And, uh, I can't imagine that anybody had poor service. If, if they did, you know, you know, there might be some kind of bias there that the reason they're, they yeah, would say that. It's the old thing. There's three sides to every story. So, right. um, I think that's the safest investment. So if you take a step out and look at um, the six cameras as a whole, I edge the wise eye is probably the best photo quality of all of them. And probably the, uh, it has, it has the potential to take on a lot of market share from Reconics and Spartan. Uh, but just, a, you know, they're still a new company, still tweaking things. Um, safest investment, plug and play, a fantastic camera with a backed warranty. Um, I don't think the photo quality is quite at the level of Wiseye, but it's pretty darn close. Um, I, I, those, the Exodus render and the Wiseye, you're paying a little bit more for them, um, uh, are probably the best two cameras in them, you know, for, for the money. Um, if I'm not spending the $300 price point, I'm going with the Tacticam. There is no reason on earth that anyone should ever consider buying, in my opinion, a Spy Point or a Stealth Cam at whatever price point you can get them. If you're wanting the cheapest, decent camera you, you should get, the the Tacticam reveal uh, blows those two out of the water. Uh, the Browning camera... Um, it just it it's probably in between the two from a capability standpoint. I just think there's a better alternative for the price. Well, that's fair enough. So uh, it, it's Exodus Render and Wiseye. If if you want the best quality camera, best quality picture, um, that that's. Th Put it this way, the only thing negative that I noticed with the Exodus camera, and you want to talk about being picky, is in the in the late summer when we have a real heavy dew or a fog in the morning, and I had all these, all these uh, cameras on the same fence row, just 25 yards apart, I noticed that, that 
you know, it gets you get a little moisture from the dew on the lens in the first mm-hmm. of the morning until the dew burns off. It would yep. take about a half hour longer for it to come off of the render, and I think it's just the profile of the plastic around the lens where it protects it maybe shielded the sunlight a little bit from where it was setting. And if that's how picky I got to get to say the only thing I noticed with the camera, it's pretty doggone good camera. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, people just have to understand what their expectations are, what they need out of a camera, and what their their price point is. I think all of them are getting to the point that you're around the $15 to $20 a month in data plans. Um, and how you're going to use the camera and what you want to do with it is really what sets your sets your goals. But um, if it's me, even though I could buy two reveals for every Exodus or Wiseye, I'm buying an Exodus or Wiseye every time, getting the quality of picture that I want, the good software, the ability to manage the photos better, and not having to worry about do I have to replace it next year. So, moving forward, are you still going to be using cell cams? As you know, you've pretty much, uh, you know, made us aware that technology is not um, something you can really count on. Well, I'm sure not that every cell, cell camera out there that's going to contact me or a representative that's going to contact me and say, "Wow, well, did you upload new firmware? And did you do this? And did you do this?" Um, for me personally, this is this is my personal opinion. I don't think that the cellular technology is there enough to where I rely on it as my only scouting tool. In other words, I'm not going to only have these on a farm and rely on that data coming to me to make decisions on what bucks are there that year and what bucks I'm trying to get pictures of for next year. Because some of the some some of the time these bucks that we're looking for and we look at yearly patterns, we might only have one or two shots at it, right? For sure. So I don't think it's reliable enough to have that as my only means. Are there certain mm-hmm. situations in a dynamic standpoint that it can help me? Yes, and I still will use them. I don't. I'm not going to run multiple brands. I might run one or two. Um, with Exodus and Wazi from this point forward. Um, but I'm not going to run six different brands. Um, that That's so hard to manage. I don't recommend anybody doing that. Try to find a brand that is in the price point for you and stick with it so you only have one app and one bill every month. Uh, it was the it was a very exciting to cancel all of these monthly payments that I've been paying since <laughs> August or September. Um but um, I will still use them, but this spring, I'm also going to, this This has taught me a lesson not only for cell cameras, but my standard cameras. I'm going to do similar tests in my backyard, walking in front of these cameras and gridding them and then checking the SD cards and understanding the sweet spot of all of these cameras, my Reconics, my Brownings, my Exodus, my Wiseyes, so that when I'm setting up a trail camera spot, this um late this summer it's it's like picking out a tree stand you're put you're picking the right location based on the field of view and the sweet spot of where that camera is going to have its best performance at and that's going to be different from brand to brand hmm. well good stuff i'm sure that uh, you know the internet uh, 
experts are going to come out now and let you know what you did wrong and defend the cameras that you didn't like. But uh, yeah. It's not what? a debate, people. I'm not debating it. I'm probably, with all due respect, if somebody asks me a question, I'm going to give them this link of the podcast, and the last thing I want to do is talk cell cameras anymore. Um, this is probably the worst mistake I ever made. I hope people appreciate the investment that I made that I'll never recoup the cost out of this to try to help. Um, they not, might not like my boldness in, um, what I say, but, um, it is what it is. This is for my needs, what I got out of it. And, um, a couple of them are flat out garbage. One of them's okay based on the price point, but if you can save up a little bit of money, I think you can get a whole lot of performance out of a $300 camera. Well, that pretty much wraps it up, doesn't it? I hope so, because we're an hour and 20 minutes in, so a lot of information to go for. But I appreciate the support everybody's given me um, with this. Got a lot of kind words for for it. Um, it. Like I said, it all started as I was laid up and couldn't really help with the podcast or the YouTube channel and thought this was a way I could add value while I was laid up and recovering from knee surgery. So um, I hope that the information um, that's in this podcast helps somebody make a decision for themselves. Yeah, for sure. Well, I appreciate what you did. I know uh, I'm not going to be buying any stealth cams. (laughs) (laughs) If you need a wheel chalk for your trailer. Well, or a, uh, well, I'm, I'm I pulling, don't shoot expandable broadheads, so I don't need a target for my expandable broadhead. Well, you know, I'm I'm pulling your gooseneck back from Illinois on Sunday, so we might need to keep this thing intact because we might need a wheel chalk. How big's your gooseneck? Twenty what? Thirty. It's thirty foot. Thirty foot tandem. So, yeah, I might need a wheel yeah. chalk if if we go to unhook it. <laughs> well, <laughs> you have one. You have two actually. All right. Well, that's all I got. Um, um, like I said, thanks for everybody's support. I'm not debating this. Um, I don't want to be as uh, nasty as say go pound salt if you don't agree with me. Again, it's just my opinion. You don't have to agree with it. Um, make the best decision for what your needs are. With that, I'm done. I'm done with cell camera tests. All right. Well, why don't you take I'll us take out with it? Out. Why don't you take us out with our sponsors? Thanks, everybody. Okay. We want to thank our sponsors, Biofarm.com. Lone Wolf Tree Stands, Real World Wildlife Products, Vortex Optics, 360 Hunting Blinds, Farming, Wildlife Farming, uh, Vengeance Camo, and Quiet Cat Bikes. Tune in next week, everyone, for our next episode.